This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. around and Lindholm can't knock it in and now Johnson will clear it and the game comes to an end the Blackhawks snap their season-long eight-game losing streak and in turn the Flames season-long four-game winning streak and Calgary's Stanley Cup playoff chances take a huge hit here at Scotiabank Saddledome tonight as they lose to last overall Chicago by a final score of four to three. That's a real gut punch for the Calgary Flames last night. As you heard from Derek, a 4-3 loss to the 32nd ranked Chicago Blackhawks. And a gotta have it situation for the Calgary Flames. They head into the third period of the game tied at two, but get pushed around to start the third period. Two goals on odd man opportunities for Chicago, and they're able to shut it down into the third and pick up two points that they really don't even want when they're chasing things down for Connor Bedard, the potential first overall pick in the NHL draft. But in turn, Picking up those two points and keeping them away from Calgary deals the Flames a major blow in their hopes of securing a playoff spot in the Western Conference. Welcome to Sportsnet Today. It's Logan Gordon along with you on another Calgary Flames game day tonight. The game that we've had circled on the calendar for weeks, the Calgary Flames and the Winnipeg Jets, although it comes with a slightly muted excitement after last night's loss at the Scotiabank Saddledome. We've got lots to get to on the program today. We're obviously coming at you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studios here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. My outstanding production team of Cam and Taylor along with us this afternoon. We will chat with Peter Labardius in just moments, get you set for tonight's game and look back on last night and what happened to the Calgary Flames in this loss. Uh, their third loss to Chicago on the year, 0-2-1 uh, as the record goes, and that's just not good enough. Whatever the reason being, effort, style of play, you just can't continue to drop games to, to lesser opponents, especially in the moments where you need them uh, desperately more than your opponent does. Uh, just not, not good enough for the Calgary Flames last night and tonight. Everything on the line against the Winnipeg Jets. If you want any hope, and it's a faint hope now, you need to pick up two points uh, tonight in Winnipeg for ideally in regulation, but uh, even at this point, too, in, in overtime, uh, a minimum for the Calgary Flames. We'll also uh, head down the Alice Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline later this hour for a look at the opposition uh, from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. Ken Weeb will join us. The Jets getting hot at just the right time. They've been sitting idle, waiting for the Calgary Flames, and you got to imagine it was a big sigh of relief uh, across the province of Manitoba yesterday 
when that result became final and Chicago was able to take two points from the Flames. So we will dive into that uh, as well with uh, Ken Weeb a little bit later on and get you the latest on the Flames opponent tonight, the Winnipeg Jets, who now uh, have a much rosier picture when it comes to their chances of making the NHL's Western Conference playoff picture. But let's kick things off like we always do. And on the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon, welcoming in the color voice of the Calgary Flames, he is Peter Labardius. And he's brought to you every single day by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. The Gemini Group knows that your home renovations, well, they should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. They're now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. You can visit them at thegeminigroup.ca. Good afternoon, Lou. How are you, sir? I'm awesome. How are you? I'm doing great, uh, pal. Another game day tonight. But uh, before we get to that, uh, a disappointing uh, result last night. The Scotiabank saddled on for the Calgary Flames. Well, it was disappointing. And again, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it because it really doesn't matter um, at this point. Obviously, it matters, but we can we can have those conversations again because there'll be lots of time for a post-mortem if indeed that was a contributing factor. The hard part is um, a number of their best players were not good enough. Um, the wounds were self-inflicted. And what did we talk about yesterday, whether it was through Daryl or whether it was, you know, through assistant coaches is that they needed to do a better job of checking and checking Chicago's top people. And they didn't. And that's why they lost the hockey game. Uh, and that's a great place to start, Lou, because that's exactly what you asked assistant head coach Kale McLean last night on the Flames Talk post-game show. And Kale was uh, pretty succinct in his, uh, his answer as to whether or not they did a good enough job when it came to checking last night. Kale, did you check well enough tonight for 60? Nope, sure didn't. Didn't kill enough plays in the first period, didn't slow them down enough, and uh, didn't manage the puck well enough. You know, that was a that was a big factor too. We gave them too much um, in terms of they have skill and they can they can uh, make plays off the rush and we fueled that a little bit and we talked about not fueling it. So it's on us. We gotta make sure that we're uh, we're following the game plan better and we are focusing in here because well, as we all know, like uh, mm-hmm. there's precious points to be uh, won and we can't give any up. There it is. And question asked, question answered. Game plan was not looked after. Um, certainly in a conversation I had with Ryan Huska today for our pregame show, Logan, you know, and, and we touched on it. Maybe I don't touch on it sometimes enough. There's always going to be a tendency to look ahead to what's a bigger game. Did they get trapped in it a little bit? Yes, I think they did. Um but here we are, Logan. This is why I love sports. Nights like tonight. Because you learn so much. Because in the regular season, and I'd be curious to get your thoughts, this is a game seven tonight. This is it. This is your season on the line tonight doesn't matter how we got here we can we can talk and like i said we can extract that we do it every day this is why i love sports whether it works out doesn't work out somewhere in between 
there's great learning in the hard. And there will be great learning tonight because it's hard. And it's really hard. And we can talk, we talk all the time about what big games really are. This is truly the biggest game of their season because it is on the line tonight. No win. It's done. Yeah, I think you'll you'll learn a lot of things, good and bad, tonight about the team, whether you, you like that or not. Because and I think you learned a, a part of it last night. I don't want to get... Uh, you know, away from it and put it all on tonight. I think that there was still something to be heard about last night, and I think that there's something to be said about what what you said there, Lou, and it was echoed by Michael Backlund in the locker room. I know Blake Coleman said the same thing to you guys with Pat after it, that whether we like it or not, these guys couldn't look forward to the Winnipeg game. You can't have Coleman and Backlund coming out and saying, I think we, we looked ahead to the next game. That's just not good enough for this group who hasn't proven to us this year that they can get past these sort of games without any sort of trouble. I just that was a worrying factor to me last night to hear that from both of those guys. You know what the real key to that is, my friend? They haven't proven it to themselves and they haven't figured out how to do it. Yeah. That's really what it's about. 100%. They want it. They want to do it. Yep. They wanted to win the game. But are you prepared? Do you have the right mindset? And what I think we're really seeing, in part, is feeling like every game you play in is must win. It's hard enough to do in the playoffs or on nights like tonight when it is legit. But the fatigue of chasing a season, and really for the last month and a half, of having a game seven kind of mindset is probably unrealistic. And because of the position they've put themselves in, that's what they've been trying to dig themselves out of. So with four games left against a team that you must beat, preferably in regulation, it's not over. But you lose tonight in regulation, it is. We talked about it heading into last night's game. Uh, it was a big topic. Who would get the start in goal? Jacob Markstrom did start. Uh, we're expecting the same tonight, Lou. Uh, Frank Sarvalli, our NHL insider from Daily Faceoff, says that Jacob Markstrom is scheduled to go again tonight for the Calgary Flames. I don't think that comes as... Much of a surprise to anyone, uh, let alone yourself. I don't think there's a choice, and I'm going to explain why. Jacob Markstrom is, like many other players on this team, certainly responsible for this team being in this position. So the next question because I always think, and this comes from a great friend of mine, Dave Forma, who always challenges me, and he challenges me a lot, and it's a good thing. Everybody can ask questions one, maybe two, but how about three, four, and five? So three, four, and five is, and I'll ask you number three. 
do you think Dan Vladar is capable at this point of his career of winning you a playoff series? No, I don't think so. And if so, because you hesitated, if so, why? Sample size, probably. I don't think I've seen a long enough stretch of Dan Vladar to, to give me that full confidence that he could do it. If, if at this point of where you are in your organization, if Jacob is still the best guy, if you get there, does he not deserve to play in game seven? Yeah. And that's how I really look at it. So I'm not going to tell you that he's not responsible in part for them being here. But I do see this as a night and an opportunity to learn more about him, for him to learn. And I think he's put in the work and earned the right to play in game seven. Does that mean that it might not even affect things going forward? Does it not leave me to have it be more of an open competition next year? No, it does. But I'm going in that direction, sink or swim. And I said it yesterday, and I'm repeating it again today. There is no other option. Not in my mind. And I, and I bet if I phoned 32 coaches and their staffs around the NHL, I think it would be unanimous. Peter Labardius is along with us. He's the color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960, the fan, and he uh, joins us every single day to kick off Sportsnet today, courtesy of our friends at the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Uh, Lou, two players outside of the goaltender uh, that you've labeled as key players for tonight's matchup. Uh, Who are they and why? Well, two really key guys for me because this is about your best people being your best people. And so Elias Lindholm and Rasmus Anderson. Um, Rasmus is still growing into being Calgary's version of a number one. And he's 26 years old. He's having a fine, fine season. Uh, I did not think last night he was at his best. Um, even when I go back to last year's postseason and any postseason that he's been involved in, even in looking just at some numbers, Logan, today in regards to the Dallas series, the way the Edmonton series went, I'm, I'm kind of casting that aside. I don't think it's fair to evaluate anybody. But in a low-scoring series against Dallas Rasmus was 1-1-2 and played 21 plus and was minus 5 I'm not hanging it all there I'm not hanging it all on Elias but if this is your guy and it doesn't mean tonight is not 
something that I'm going to go, well, it didn't work out tonight, so you can't do it. No, no. But moving forward, these, again, are great situations, win or lose, for your important people to be in. Because you know what? They haven't been in enough of them. They haven't. And until your best people can impact games and win those battles against other teams' best people, you're not going anywhere. And we only get better at things we'd like to be better at, as hard as they are, as frustrating as they can be, by the reps that we get. This is a great opportunity for this team and its players. And in listening today to Ryan Huska, Mm -hmm. he laid it out this way, and I think it's brilliant. And I sense today he feels good about his group today. And he was the first to tell me they may have not taken last night and put it in its proper place. But he said, the way they are looking at it, last night was game six of a series. Tonight's game seven. We're kind of looking at it as last night we lost game six, and now this is game seven for us. So um, I I think you mentioned it with some of your key players, whether it be your goaltenders or your centermen or your defensemen, whatever the case may be, these are the games where your key players have to be your best guys. Um, there is no ifs, ands, buts about it. Um, and I think those guys often raise their level in these games because they trust their preparation and what they've done to get themselves ready for these situations. They'll go back in their minds and, and remember how they had success in a situation like this in a prior game. Um, and because they have that maturity and they have that understanding of what they have to do and how they have to look in these situations, they're going to be ready to play. So, we're going to lean on our top guys tonight for our team to win and have success. Um, our goaltending is going to have to be really good. You mentioned our top four defensemen. I'll throw all six in there. They're going to have to move the pucks well and be able to handle pressure. And we're going to need our forwards tonight, the the guys that we expect to play um, with the puck, to manage it, take care of it, um, hold on to it, make sure we do a good job with what makes us a good team, and that's creating that zone time and shot volume. So we're going to need our guys to be our very best. That's game seven. That's theater. That's who can do it and who can't. And it's why I love sports like I do. And it's why I watch games like this closer than any of the other ones that were played before it. And it's why I put so much stock in big games. This, win or lose, even if you win it and somehow it doesn't work out as far as the playoffs are concerned, this is a glorious rep and opportunity for the Calgary Flames. Because if they can go in this situation into Winnipeg with everything that they have against them, including a crushing loss and find their way, whether it makes a huge difference in 22-23, 
it's going to have big dividends down the road. Uh, Peter, before we let you go, uh, you mentioned in our uh, pre-show notes uh, you'd make one lineup change uh, heading into Winnipeg tonight. What would that one be? I don't think it's going to happen, but I would put in Jacob Pelche for Nick Ritchie and for one reason. And it won't happen, and I understand why it won't happen. Um, and it's not that Nick's been bad, and it's not that Jacob's been great. I see this tonight, Logan, as a matchup where Winnipeg has a lot of speed and skill on the wing. So, and then for me, it's about trust. And between the energy, a night like last night where I didn't think Nick gave you very much, and honestly, I think he has underachieved in a lot of ways in his whole career. Even though Jacob Pelche is 22, what I've seen from him in some big games and big situations and his makeup and mentality over the years, combined with giving this team some juice and some more speed, they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. Because, and I get it, Daryl's going to go with somebody who gives him a big body presence in the offensive zone. It's what they do. It's probably the way to go. I just trust one guy in a big game more than the other, and I think in some ways on nights like tonight, his smarts, his speed, I trust him more in a game seven than I do the other guy. But that's just me, and it's not going to happen. I don't see it. Peter, appreciate the time as always, pal. Uh, We will hear you on Flames warm-up a little bit later on this afternoon, and then, of course, on the call with Derek at uh, 5.30 tonight. Have a great afternoon. Great stuff, Logs. Thanks, as always. Take care. Peter Labardius, the color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960, the fan joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline for his daily hit here on Sportsnet today. It's brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. The Gemini Group knows that your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. They're now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit them at thegeminigroup.ca. The Winnipeg Jets left this door open for a couple of weeks uh, for the Calgary Flames to climb back into this playoff race. They're now trying to close it abruptly with a win tonight in Winnipeg. How have things turned around for the Jets and what's key for them going into tonight's matchup? We'll chat with Ken Weeb from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca next for our look at the opposition here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Sportsnet Today rolling on here. Logan Gordon along with you on this Wednesday Flames game day. Flames and Jets Whatever term you'd like to use for this one, biggest game of the year, game seven mentality, all of it applies, although some of the wind might have been taken out of the sails thanks to last night's loss to the Chicago Blackhawks. Nonetheless, two points still very valuable to both of these teams in tonight's matchup. Our Flames coverage gets going at 4.30 with Pat Steinberg and Pete Labardius on Flames warm-up. 5.30, Jets and Flames right here on Sportsnet 960 
the fan. Time to uh, go down the Atlas Peach and Sports Bar guest hotline. Take a look at the opposition tonight. And yes, this Winnipeg Jets team uh, with a massive opportunity in front of them tonight. And uh, to help us take a look at things from a Winnipeg point of view, always glad to bring in our next guest uh, from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. Ken Weave joins us uh, this afternoon. Ken, thanks as always for the time, man. How are you? Logan, I'm uh, I'm doing fantastic. Happy to uh, relay that I'm very comfortable hitting in the two slot, and uh, always <laughs> always happy to follow my pal uh, Peter Labardia's great hit uh, out of the gate. And I promise you to bring my game seven mentality to this hit. I knew you would. That's why we call upon you in the big slots, uh, Ken. That's uh, that's why we got your number ready to go out of the bullpen. But uh, I got to ask: Was there a, a massive sigh of relief in the province of Manitoba last night when that final came down? Four three for the Chicago Blackhawks, or does the intensity still sort of ramp up for what should be a big game tonight in Winnipeg? Yeah, it's so interesting, Logan. Uh, there's been a lot of angst, uh, parallel levels of angst in both of these fan bases in the last month or so, as the Jets left the door open, as you so eloquently pointed out in the last segment. There was definitely some relief in the fan base, but I think the bigger question is, given how inconsistent both teams have been, you know, Jets winning twice, uh, notwithstanding, is can they deliver the knockout punch now? I think that's the one thing that we don't know uh, about the Jets right now. We know they had a great start. We know they had a wobbly uh, middle stretch, if you will. And now we're going to find out if they have the ability to, you know, they have their opponent on the ropes. And no, it's not an elimination game technically, but, you know, let's do the math here. The Jets essentially, I know it's only two points in the standings, but with the tiebreaker, they have a three-point edge. And if you move that to five with three left, not a lot of wiggle room for the Flames. So uh, it's curious. I asked Rick Bonus very directly, and he, he evaded the question nicely. <laughs> then I asked him again, and he had no interest in going down that road about the mentality required to ensure that the Jets don't let the Flames up off the mat here and allow them to pull even in the standings, even though they would have a game in hand. So I, I don't think that's anything other than a coach not wanting to get ahead of himself. But for me, it's all about how the players react. The Jets have done a great job, Logan, of taking advantage of two previous opponents who played the night before and had to travel. They got their legs back. They started playing with more pace, and they had that offensive eruption that had been a long time coming, frankly. Just nine goals in the previous seven games. They scored 12 on the weekend, including six against a very good New Jersey Devils team. Uh, that has been very stingy defensively. And the biggest news for them, A, they got 11 at even strength, and B, they did get one on a power play that had been one for 36 previously. So they do have a lot of good vibes going into the game. But the one interesting thing about the Jets is I wouldn't say they get too high on their horse reading their press clippings, but they haven't really gone on a lengthy winning streak this year. And, and that's something they would like to do with both the flames tonight. And obviously the Nashville predators, the other team involved in this Western conference race ahead on the docket on Saturday night. It's interesting. The parallels that, that come up between both of these teams. And you mentioned the, the winning streak that the jets would like to go on there. Ken, as the flames uh, just recently exited their longest winning streak with that loss to Chicago last night, ending it at four. There's so many things that you look at these two teams and you kind of see why they're both in this scenario and one of them has to come in goal where Connor Hellebuck has started each of the last nine games for this Jets team not too dissimilar to what the Flames have been doing with their workhorse and Jacob Markstrom um, it's not something that's unusual to Connor Hellebuck he's used to that kind of workload but uh, he's only started I mean, the stat pack was 10 straight games 
uh, four times previously in his career, so it's not new to him. Uh, but this is clearly a coach who feels comfortable handing the workload to the number one guy in Winnipeg and letting him lead them to where they want to be, Ken. Yeah, no doubt. And, and Connor Hellbuck has been full marks. Even in those games where the Jets were struggling to score, he was keeping them in games. And it'll be his 61st start, which is the league lead. I think it's one ahead of UC Soros. He's been excellent on the weekend. The other thing that I would say is that obviously the, we were talking a lot about the offense, but Connor's ability to make hard saves look routine, I think would be something that, you know, Kelly Rudy would see with those eagle eyes of a goaltender. <laughs> uh, he looks really locked in right now. And like I said, not, not like those games were in doubt, but Hellebuck was sharp when he needed to be. And I would imagine that he will be very focused and rested and ready to go this evening. Now, one one thing that's been a little bit odd, you know, in the comparison with Markstrom and Hellebuck, Hellebuck obviously has had a much better season than Markstrom, but the Jets and Flames have had similar issues when it comes to allowing early goals, not necessarily first shot goals the way the Flames have, but giving up the first goal had been a huge problem for the Jets. And when they were struggling to score, it really made life difficult on Hellebuck. He almost had to be perfect during that stretch where, they just didn't win. I think it was five wins in the 22 games or, or seven wins, whatever that number was. It wasn't a high enough number for a team that, you know, on January 15th was not only first in the Central, but first in the in the Western Conference. And now they're scratching and clawing just to get in in that eighth and final spot. But Hellebuck, I guess I would say that uh, he's still playing at a Vesna caliber level. I would say Linus Olmark probably has the trophy sewn up and Ilya Sorokin has been excellent. And there's a lot of goalies playing well, but had Hellebuck not played at a Vesna level this year, we'd probably be having a different discussion about both the Flames and the Jets right now. And something that the Flames fans have brought up plenty of times here in the discussion about Jacob Markstrom's season was last night was or last night, excuse me, last season, Ken, was a bit of an outlier season wise for, for Connor Hellebuck and to see him bounce back has been a, a major positive for this Jets team as a storyline all year long. Yeah, no doubt about that. And this is a guy who has incredible motivation, and I don't think he was – I wouldn't say he played poorly last year, and his underlying numbers would certainly back that up. But the Jets were so bad defensively that his you know, boxcar numbers just didn't look good. And obviously it was a year that he wasn't happy about. But the thing with Hellebuck is that that was the first real lengthy offseason that he had in quite some time. The year before he had COVID about you know, three weeks before training camp and it really kind of disrupted his routine and rhythm. So this is a guy who really put in the work in the off season and and speaking with guys that are around him in Kelowna with their group there, they were pretty the week before training camp. They they said keep your eyes open on Hellebuck and I'm not surprised to see him play the way he has. It's interesting. Obviously, Flames fans are quite familiar with David Riddick with his time with the Flames, the ups and the downs, the All Star appearances, and losing the net to Cam Talbot. He had provided pretty you know solid backup net minding for a good chunk of the year, but in March he had a couple of leaky goals at inopportune times against teams like the San Jose Sharks and the Columbus Blue Jackets. And it's almost left Rick Bonus with, you know, you hate to say no choice, but uh, he really feels right now that he has to ride the number one guy. And I don't think we'll see Riddick until the Jets put an X beside their name, even though they do have a back-to-back coming up and they'll play the Sharks for the third and final time on Monday night here. So, it's been interesting to monitor. Riddick has been a really good partner for Hellebuck and how he's his demeanor. You know, he's a pretty, you know, he brings a lot of joy to the rink on most days. He knows what his role is, but the inability to not be able to mix him in a little bit more down the stretch 
you don't necessarily see it right now, but if the Jets get in and can get on a roll in the playoffs, you wonder how much is left in the tank. But Hellebuck has been through this before. He loves to get in the rhythm with that workhorse mentality like we talked about. But it's a question that people around the league are certainly wondering about. I think the Jets have done a pretty good job of managing his rest to this point, but they're gonna, they, they do rely on him quite a bit, and they're going to need to rely on him down the stretch here. Year one for Rick Bonus in Winnipeg, obviously. A few weeks ago, things seemed to boil over to the top for the head coach when it came to, to some of the, the efforts or perceived efforts from him from some of his top players. I'm curious, Ken, from your perspective, seeing this for the first time with Rick Bonus in Winnipeg, uh, how the team responded to that in your mind? Because well, I think we see that in different variations throughout the league and for different head coaches. And uh, I'm always curious to see exactly what the response is, especially early on in a coach's tenure with a team. It, it, to me, it's always a cure, a, an acute indicator as to how attached the team is to what the coach is saying. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, we knew we'd be looking at coaching very closely this year, given what's happened. You know, with Paul Maurice stepping away in December, and then Dave Lowry's tenure not going as well as many expected. Uh, Rick Bonus has brought an element of truth serum that is definitely welcome as a member of the media. Uh, we heard uh, the new car smell lasted quite a long time, as I mentioned, for a team that was you know in first place in the conference in January. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot easier to hear some of those things, but you know, when the Jets hit a rough patch, we did see a little bit of a change in tone with Rick. I think his honesty sometimes gets him, and I wouldn't say gets him in trouble with the modern player because he, as he always says to us, he won't say it publicly to the media unless he said it to the player already. But he definitely has changed his tone somewhat. But there are times, like the time in San Jose that you're referencing where he mentioned, quite frankly, that if some of his top players thought they were giving their best effort, they were dreaming, which made for a really good headline. And (laughs) as it turns out, it also snapped its team back to attention heading into the weekend games uh, against the Red Wings and uh, and Devils. So uh, is it it only related to the the eruptions at the podium? And we're, we're not talking about a constant, but Rick has been pushing his group a lot and you know, there were lots of times this year when Mark Shifley said he wanted to be coached and wanted to be pushed, and those things are easier to accept when things are going well. But, you know, sometimes when a guy goes nine games without scoring, you know, maybe he doesn't want to be coached as much as as as, as what was Rick Bonus was probably offering in terms of suggestions, in terms of elevating his play. But I will say this, Logan, uh, Mark Shifley was a guy who, you know, became a bit of a lightning rod at the end of last year with his comments and, a lot of people perceived or viewed them as you know, me, me first rather than team first. Rick Bonus was very frank when he came and took the job, saying he saw a player that wanted to win. The two have coexisted very well this year, uh, you know, with maybe that exception to Monday night where it was pretty evident that, or sorry, Tuesday, where it was pretty evident that Mark was one of the people Rick was talking about. Yeah. But since that time, Mark has moved to the wing. Uh, that line really got going with Cal Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois and, you know, just like that, the Jets have put themselves back in a good position. I mean, what does that mean for the long term and Mark Shifley being just over a year out from unrestricted free agency? Like you said with Peter in the last segment, we're going to have plenty of time for the dissection of, of where things go for the franchise. But for the time being, uh, Mark snapped that streak. He's up to 39 goals, and which is a career high. And he, he has been full marks for the Jets this year. Have there been a couple of hiccups? Absolutely. But uh, his buy-in level has you know, returned to the you know, necessary place in terms of where the Jets need him to be. And you know, the Jets are going to have to rely on 
on guys like Mark down the stretch. And this isn't a one-man issue. You know, Kyle Connor went in a stretch of one and goal in 14 games before snapping out. Pierre Dubois had one in 10. So, and Blake Wheeler had one in 21 before he snapped, or zero in 21 before he snapped uh, out of his funk with a pair of multi-point games. So, it, it's been a super interesting season. And you know, these next cha- this next chapter uh, will be very fascinating to see how it uh, all unfolds with two teams sort of looking to keep their playoff hopes alive in a lot of ways, even though the Jets do have a little bit more of a cushion. You know, you have a guy in Nazem Kadri after a tough goal last night. I mean, I was in the building when he scored an overtime winner in the Stanley Cup, and knowing, you know, being around him for two rounds last year, this is a very proud player, and uh, I can be pretty sure that he's going to offer his best effort in terms of trying to, you know, conjure up a bit of a response here this evening against the Jets as well. Ken Weeb along with us uh, down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline for our look at the opposition this afternoon. Of course, you guys know it listening. It's the Winnipeg Jets and the Calgary Flames tonight in a massive game in Winnipeg. Uh, Ken, it would be remiss for me if I didn't bring up uh, Josh Morrissey in the season that he's continued to have, I believe, two assists last game out uh, against the New Jersey Devils for, for Josh. And um, I think the Norris Trophy is always such an interesting one to to break down because of, you know, where voters lean and how points always factor into uh, a defensive a, a conversation about the league's best defenseman award. Um, but Josh Morrissey has had the nickname of, of Josh Norrissey for, for months now. And it seems as though that plays only continued. Uh, where do you see him in this conversation when it comes to uh, potentially winning a Norris trophy? And I guess just his overall importance to what he's been for the jets this season. Yeah, Josh has had an outstanding uh, year, Logan. We know that you know the the personal hardship he had to endure with his family and losing his father in the last stretch of time here. Last year he bounced back incredibly well and had a really solid season. And this year he's basically been shot out of the cannon and, and returned to his junior form, where he's been a real driver when it comes to the Jets' offense. He has all the hardest matchups in terms of his defensive zone play. Yes, he is trailing in points, but you know, 71 points in 70, you know, 74 games with 15 goals. Uh, it, he deserves to be on the finalist ballot. I would say there's still a chance he could win the award. And I'm not talking about recency bias, but to me, I've seen Eric Carlson play twice since the trade deadline. And his, his <laughs> to borrow a line from my colleague Eric Francis, the, the give-a-crap meter <laughs> seemed pretty low to me. Yeah. So now I, I, I'm not going to discount the number of points he's put up. It's an outstanding year for Carlson. Uh, he doesn't spend a whole lot of time defending. So uh, I'm still one of those voters who is going back and forth. I think Josh is you know, right there neck and neck. And, you know, speaking of the Calgary listeners, uh, Kill McCarr and the finish that he has had to the season after those consecutive concussions has been, you know, quite monumental. And I understand some folks think he may not have played enough games this year, but his points per game and his impact on the outcome uh, has been pretty difficult to ignore. But uh, there's been a lot of guys who've had great seasons on the back end. Rasmus Dahlin has been excellent as well. But uh, I, I do think that, uh, I do think, and I, and I don't mean to speak ill of them because I respect them very much, but my former employer uh, not having Josh in the top 10 in the voting in their story this week, I think was a little uh, misguided, quite frankly. Yeah, that was a head scratcher. Uh, hey, I mean. Everybody makes mistakes, but it's one of those ones that is a notable omission, I think, for for plenty of people, not just in Winnipeg, Ken, but for uh, plenty of the ones outside as well. 
Uh, I did want to bring this up, and um, I thought it was a great article that you wrote on it, and uh, it's been a, a league-wide topic, and tonight it hits Winnipeg. It is Pride Night for the Jets, and uh, you wrote a great piece at Sportsnet.ca and why the Jets felt it was uh, important for them to wear the jerseys in pregame tonight. Can you just give us a bit of, uh, of what came from Winnipeg and what you heard from the players as to what came down to the decision for them to wear the jerseys tonight? Yeah, for sure, Logan. And it's definitely important to remember, you know, allyship isn't just putting on a jersey for, for one warm-up a year. I think all the people that spoke, including Josh Morrissey and Adam Lowry, another person with an obvious uh, personal connection to Calgary, and Dylan DeMello all spoke, uh, you know, about the importance of uh, making it a welcoming place. And we know that the hockey is for everyone slogan has taken a bit of a uh, a beating, if you will, in the last month or six weeks here with a variety of of things that have gone off the rails in some other markets. But no, I think it's just an important time overall uh, for people to show support uh, for the community. And I think the players really welcomed the opportunity to use their platform to to be more welcoming and to, to show allyship in this situation, which I think is very important. Uh, it's it's a big issue. We know it uh, is a hot button topic that um, you know stirs up a lot of feelings for a lot of people that uh, I think if, if hockey wants to be inclusive and they need to be more diverse and they need to do a better job. And, you know, this is a small step in that process, but uh, still an important one. I think the the league has spoken about this and Marty Walsh, I love the way that he handled uh, things in his introductory press conference in terms of speaking about more about what is being done rather than, you know, maybe a handful of players or a a couple of organizations that uh, decided to alter their plans at the last minute. Ken, uh, always appreciate the time, sir. Thank you so much for joining us on a game day. Uh, enjoy the game tonight, and we'll check in again with you sometime soon, hey? Sounds good, Logan. Thanks for having me, and uh, enjoy the tilt as well. This should be an absolutely uh, a ring-a-ding-dong dandy, <laughs> to borrow a phrase from another uh, Calgarian who, who, we, who we love. Appreciate it, Ken. Thanks so much. Take care, hey? Yep, have a good day, Logan. Bye Cheers. now. Ken Weeb joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca covering all things uh, around the NHL for Sportsnet.ca, but of course, uh, a focus, of course, on the Winnipeg Jets, and that's our look at the opposition tonight. Uh, Flames and Jets, 5.30 puck drop, 4.30 Flames warm up with Steinberg and Labardius. And yes, the Jets have been sitting idle waiting for the Calgary Flames. Uh, that's been a point of emphasis for them lately, which has been good for the Jets. Uh, the last two opponents have come in on back-to-backs, and the Jets have handled them quite easily. Will that story remain the same tonight for the Calgary Flames? Obviously, Flames fans hoping that's not the case, but we'll uh, wait and see what tonight brings Jets and Flames. Again, 5.30, uh, puck drop right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. It's time to uh, let you vent on the text line and on the fan feedback line. Uh, frustration boils over from last night's disappointing loss to the Chicago Blackhawks. What went wrong for the Calgary Flames in one of their biggest games of the year? We will get uh, you involved in the text line next when we come back on Sportsnet today here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.